welcome to the three inning save a brewers slash diamondbacks podcast it's that's right a neat neat idea uh, you know two fan bases just joining together we're a scouting uh podcast now we we watch other teams in preparation for the next series i'm uh brewer birch and this is sonoma (laughs) steven something like that you know what i think i think that's right uh yeah we're uh we're it's wild card time we're, uh, so we don't have a Dodgers game until Saturday, so we got to kill some time oh, here. I, I love it. So we'll, we'll, we'll preview uh, the two possible teams the Dodgers will face. We've got some end-of-season notes, questions from Craig. I think Eric has something to tell us about some sort of Reds rookie. No? I, he's shaking his head, so maybe not. You'll have to stay tuned after the commercial break to find out after this. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So Brewers, Diamondbacks, uh, Dodgers season ending. I want to tell you first about a Brewers loss. Okay. Um, on Sunday, so here's the deal: we recorded middle of last week and um, before the weekend series. There was a lot of potential for chaos. I think going into the last weekend, not it wasn't going to be. There's no 163 anymore, so like nothing like it would have been like weird tiebreakers, but um, it ended up. Er- all the teams were decided by Saturday. <laughs> like all, all the everyone like the playoff teams were decided Saturday. Sunday was had a seeding component to it, but other than that, like it was like oh that came to an abrupt end fast. But the Brewers, who are the champions of the NL Central, the number three division leading, uh, the division winner, uh, the number three seed in the NL, they they host the Diamondbacks, the number six seed. But on uh, the Cubs were one of the eliminated teams eliminated on Saturday. They kind of their last <laughs> couple weeks are rough. Like they they had a they were in very good standing in the wild card, like possibly like the four um, or yeah no the five behind the Phillies I guess. And um, there was some weird stat I don't know when this it was at some point last week where they had they blew something like or they had. It was like seven games, seven consecutive times they led in the eighth inning or later. They gave up the lead in the like the next half inning. It was just like it, insane, like stat. They just gave a lot of games away and they lost, but they won on the final day of the season, which is the most important for our um, purposes. We are the three inning save podcast. However, we make exceptions, <laughs> and Jamison Tyone um, for the Cubs on Sunday. Pitched the last four innings scoreless for the Cubs to beat the Brewers um, in Milwaukee, uh, 10-6 game. So he got a four-inning save. Um, that was the 38th four-inning save this year. Um, the That's the most since 2000. So let's just say all I know is we launched the three-inning save podcast before there were any three-inning saves <laughs> this year. And, and three-inning saves are at a 23-year high. So like... You're welcome, America. Like I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. This here. is what you go to the ballpark to see. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Like, sure, no hitters, great. Like home runs, awesome. 
three inning save. It's what the kids come to see. Uh, we, I knew it wasn't going to happen on the last day of the season. The Dodgers were like, not. It wasn't really going to happen because you knew. I figured like at least one or two of the short relievers were going to get work in on Sunday. But they had Bobby Miller go for four innings, a nice little abbreviated thing, and then Victor Gonzalez pitched in the fifth. Then, but Ryan Pepio is also like a little little tune up. He pitched the next three innings. If he just stayed in in the ninth, he could have got a four <laughs> inning save. But they had to get uh, Evan Phillips. Evan Phillips is weird because he's the way he's used like, and he's been like the Dodger, one of the best like relievers, like just going um, for the like last two and a half years. But he'll they they're so weird because they they've at times like over the last couple years have been dominant to where they don't have close games. So he goes through stretches where he just doesn't pitch for a while, and you're like, "Oh, we got to get Evan Phillips in." And then, like, then they use him, and then, like, inevitably, the next game there's a safe situation. They're like, "Well, he's pitched the last two nights." <laughs> and like, it's just a weird. He has a very weird uh, pattern sometimes, but he he got in again to close out the season. So we didn't get the 39th save, but the one that alerted me over the weekend was um, uh, a Reds rookie named Carson Spears, um, or perhaps Spires. Just a, I mean, he actually pitched well. I would have preferred if he gave up like four runs or something, but he finished off a nineteen to two game with three scoreless innings and got a save. That's that's a well earned save, my friend. Uh, so good for him. Uh, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, the Dodgers had one, two, three, four, five, six of the thirty eight. Um, I'm looking. Uh, Boston had the Red Sox had five. The Dodgers had the most three-inning saves. So the, the the season we started a three-inning save podcast, MLB, 23-year high, and the Dodgers led the majors in three-inning saves. We are a Dodgers podcast. So should what do we what do we just do we rename it next year to try to set other goals? Is that is that what we're doing? Sure. The, this the uh, Eric and Jacob win the lottery podcast and then Wow, it happened again. No, I don't know. That, that's I just I just thought that was cool. So, yeah. well, we have other things to talk about. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's, there's no let's, game till Saturday. Yeah, let's start with just sort of the sort of odds and ends to finish the season. Yeah. So, uh, what we're going to talk about is how uh, Freddie Freeman failed at getting 60 doubles, and Mookie Betts failed at getting 40 home runs. No, no, no. They had great seasons. I mean. Just like think of that, like right, like, oh, Freddie Freeman couldn't get to sixty doubles. What a what a letdown. He only had fifty nine, like uh, uh, seven more than any other Dodger in history, and t- uh, ten more than any LA Dodger ever. What a crazy season. Um, but no, on, on Sunday the Dodgers did win the last game, so they won a hundred games. Uh, it's three years in a row regular, and you know. 2020 was a 60 game season. They played well over 100 win pace in those 60 games. But if you go, it's the last four like full seasons. They've also won over 100 games or more. No other team has done that. So like that's pretty wild. Like um, although I was looking, um, you know, we sort of shortchanged this because like the older schedules when they played like 154 games, the equivalent. It to 100 wins in, in that schedule is 95. And so the Dodgers did have a, a three-year run from 51 to 53 where they won 100 in a row, uh, three years in a row. But, but the Yankees um, went nine straight years. I think it was 49 to 57 
where they won at least 95, like the equivalent of today's 100. So, like, they were just insanely good uh, back then. But anyway, it was a nice accomplishment um, for the Dodgers. I saw some of the uh, post-game quotes from San Francisco. It wasn't quite like, you know, like NFL or NBA, but there was a lot of, like, you know, no nobody really thought we could do this. You know, like, it wasn't like nobody believed in us type stuff, but it was close. But also... They're kind of right. Like I didn't. They were going to win hundred games. There's no way. They plus they like their pitching staff got absolutely shredded. Like it's just like I don't. It just it's not. I don't understand it. Like it's just like, you know you just you got to tip your cap sometimes. And so if they want to if they want to go down that road and route and say um that route and say <laughs> nobody believed in us. You know, God bless them. Let them do it. Um, the other thing. So Mookie Betts, the aforementioned. Uh, had only 39 home runs to go with his 40 doubles <laughs> and this crazy season. He kind of like petered out a little bit in September, but still great season overall. He ended up um, leading the National League in uh, wins above replacement. Uh, both, actually, I didn't look at Fangraphs. He's it. It was close. Like eight, he's 8.4. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is 8.1. Um, and then if you look at Fan graphs. Uh, well, I have this up. It, they're both at eight point three. So, I uh, they and fan graphs actually list Acuna top. So I don't know how deep those decimals go, but that's not the way to look at WAR anyway. I've just wanted to point it out. He uh, Mookie Betts also led um, the National League in wins above replacement, Baseball Reference version in twenty twenty as well. When uh, not teammate that year, Freddie Freeman won MVP. Um, but uh, in in Dodgers history, there's only been um, nine total nine players total to lead the NL in WAR, um, and only four of them have done it in two different years. Um, those four are Mookie Betts, 2020 to 2023, and then um, uh, Nap Rucker. Everyone famously knows Nap Rucker. No, left-handed pitcher in 1911-1912. Amazingly, Dazzy Vance only did it once. I was, I was kind of shocked at that. <laughs> um, Jackie Robinson, might have heard of him, uh, 1949 and 1951. And then uh, Clayton Kershaw, as a pitcher, led the National League in war 2013 and 2014. So that's a, that's a nice company to have. Um, so he did that. Uh, Freddie Freeman, in, in addition to those uh, 59 doubles, ended with um, 90 extra base hits. Um, that's the most in LA Dodger history. Both of those are, and the $59 is just most in Dodger history. Um, so after, uh, Clayton Kershaw started Saturday, he pitched into the sixth inning for the first time since returning from the injured list. And then, um, uh, after the game, like they didn't come out and say it, but it was basically, I believe Dave Roberts quote was, it's a no brainer that, uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to start Game One on Saturday. <laughs> uh, like I think the the deal was like as long as he came came out of that starting fine and it it looks like he did. Um, so it's going to be Kershaw Game One Saturday, Bobby Miller Game Two, which is Monday because there's the weird off day in between the home, the, the first two games. Um, that's going to be Kershaw's twelfth Game One start um, in his career. It will, well, so. It's, it will tie a record, major league record. John Lester and Justin Verlander both have 12 game one starts. However, because the Astros, uh, who 
like at some point, like had they lost to the Mariners on, I believe it was Thursday, Wednesday, or I think it was Wednesday, they would have been in such a bad position playoff wise where they they could have they might have been eliminated, but they ended up winning the division, <laughs> and so <laughs> they get there. They don't have to play the wild. They're also the number two seed because the Central is terrible, um, so. They get a bye. So Justin Verlander most likely is going to make his 13th game one start whenever that series starts, I believe also on Saturday. But um, that's just a fun little thing. There were a couple injuries in San Francisco. I, you don't, I don't know how minor they are or major they are. So Miguel Rojas got hit on his left hand by a pitch on Friday. He did not play the last two games. X-rays were negative. They were going to take a CT scan the next day. Um but he felt like better enough where they're just like, no, we're not going to do it. I mean, on one hand, you're like, you know how this ultimately goes. And like, eventually like, oh, he took a scan. Oh my God, there's a lot going on in there. No, but it, it didn't see like judging from the reaction. It didn't, it didn't seem like it was going to be too serious, but I guess we'll see. Right. Who knows what's going to happen like this week. But then Sunday, Chris Taylor got hit on the left knee to the point where he like hobbled and like went to the ground stayed in the game for that inning played the next inning in left field but then he then he left after that they said you know left knee contusion didn't really hear much about that after the game but i i would i would imagine that's going to be a topic of interest uh this week so i think like when it comes down to it we talked about like the roster i don't know if there's necessarily like that many battles i think especially if if they're going 13 position players 13 pitchers like i guess like the way if you're trying to find an avenue i guess um jerry harrison jr on sportsnet la was kind of advocating for this mentioning like colton wong like on the postseason roster like it's hard to see a path for him unless they like one of taylor or rojas is like hurt and he gets on or they like bail on David Peralta who hasn't hit for like two months but all signs seem to indicate and how they've also been using Peralta that he's going to start he's not only going to be on the roster he's going to start against left or righties so um that's going to be something to watch but and then you know who knows what the pitching side like you can make the argument that like you could leave Lance Lynn off the roster he actually pitched well uh the other night in San Francisco but there's just you know the other thing that's going to be interesting to watch is how comfortable are the Dodgers having Kershaw go on regular rest? I know they've they purposely been stretching him out to like not overburden him. I don't think it means that he can't go on four, regular four days rest, but they just haven't done it since returning mm-hmm. from the injury. So because in that first round, you can get by with only three starting pitchers if you wanted to because of that that middle that off day between game one and two so you could start the game one starter in game four on four days rest and then you still have four days rest for the game two starter in game five so that's going to be interesting. but then also you can also get around that by not having to play those games but um who knows but uh so but who the dodgers play we'll find out over the next couple days um it's brewers versus diamondbacks the way the wild card series works is all three games, potentially all three games, are in the higher seeds park. So it's not, there's no travel. It's just a three-day shot. 
Um, and weirdly, they put out the times for it's all that. It's like ESPN Family Networks. There's ABC, ESPN, ESPN Two. I believe. I, I guess it could change if there's a couple of sweeps, but the times for all three days, or the, at least the order of the games, are the same. <laughs> like Rangers and Rays is the early game all three days. Like it's just a just a weird setup. Like to me, I don't know. This, I don't. It's very odd, but. The other, the one piece of news that came out on Monday, uh, Brandon Woodruff, who's like the Brewers' number two starter behind Corbin Burns, he has a shoulder injury. He's going to miss at least the wild card series and potentially more. Uh, I guess in the, you know, there were Craig Council was talking about it, and then I guess that's how it came out. And then they talked to Woodruff about it, and he was like in tears like about it. So it seems like it, he's probably just going to be like out, out. Um, so that's something to watch. Um, then if you look at just the way the schedule played out, the, the Diamondbacks kind of had to fight uh, near the end to, to make sure they got in. So they had um, Zach Gowan and Merrill Kelly go over the weekend. So they're starting a rookie, Brandon Fott, in game one. And then I'm, I'm guessing, I haven't seen, I'm, I'm, this has to be the case, but Gowan would go game two, Merrill Kelly, if it goes that far, game three. So this, this is where it gets the the interesting the the cost of being a wild card team if you advance you know, um, whether it's Brewers or Diamondbacks the number one starter would not be available to pitch until game two of the NLDS whether it's Corbin Burns who's going Tuesday or Zach Gallon who's going Wednesday, um, now, in a weird way having, like, Gallon and Kelly lined up for the Diamondbacks two three. If Arizona sweeps the Brewers, you never know. Like, they're weird teams, right? Like, they're neither offense is like terribly good. There, it seems like, but I would say Arizona is probably better. But you know, who knows? But let's, if Arizona sweeps, then they have Kelly still available for Game One of the NLDS. Then they could have Gallon go two and five, and they could have Kelly go one and four. So that's like a like a dream setup, you know, for them. Like they have their two best pitchers go mm -hmm. potentially four games, but you never know um, what's going to happen. Like Brewers and D-backs are both below average offensively. Ninety-two WRC plus for the Brewers. Diamondbacks ninety-seven. Since the trade deadline, though, Brewers are at a hundred. Um, they added Mark Canna, Carlos Santana, and then they. I haven't seen what what if any jo thing that Josh Donaldson's done, but like he played a little bit. He's on the team too. The Diamondbacks, like since the trade deadline, it's kind of went backwards. They eighty seven WRC plus. I think the biggest acquisition they got was Tommy Pham. I think they they also got Gabriel Moreno, their catcher, back from the IL. But that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, um, best of three. You know, could could be over in two days. Could be could take three, but. By by Thursday night for sure, we'll know who the Dodgers are going to play. We're going to do another um, episode, I think, um, you know, with more of a uh, you know Dodgery newsish type series preview. Uh, Rosters are out week. same day, morning of. Yeah, it's usually so we won't same have day. the roster, but you, we well, we might we, have we'll have ideas inside. So and and as we talked about last week, there's not a lot of. Yeah, mystery. But you know, injuries can be more serious than they stated, etc. Yeah, so, something will come up like on Wednesday where, you know, we'll at least have stuff to talk about where it's not just like just sitting around for five days and waiting or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it for this. But I, I will, I do have another sort of end of season uh, thing for you. So Will Smith uh, really struggled offensively the last like 
two months ish, maybe a little longer. Um, he had 12 uh, sacrifice flies though on the season that tied old friend Cody Bellinger for the National League lead. Or actually, they both led the majors. Um, that included a furious mad dash down the stretch, three sack flies over the last two weeks to sort of uh, claim that tie for the lead. Uh, Smith also tied for the National League lead uh, with Manny Machado with 11 sacrifices and uh, sacrifice flies in 2021. Smith is the third Dodger to lead the National League in sack flies twice. Can you name the other two? What a wonderful, specific, and guessable. We'll see. Hey, you know, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and then questions from Craig, where I get to I get to ask you some questions after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Name the non-Will Smithian Dodgers to lead in and the lead the NL and sacrifice twice. That's right. All right. I have I have some names written down. Uh, I, I have hints if you want. All right. Uh, I have three names written down, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian Gonzalez is the last one to do it. Uh, 2013, he tied with Zach Cozart of the Reds uh, with 10. And uh, 2014, he led outright uh, with 11. Uh, it, funny how very quickly that came to my mind. I was like, oh, it's yeah. got to be a gun. Uh, the others are definitely much more speculative. Yeah. Um, Mike Piazza. Mm-mm. Nope. All right, last guess, and then I'll take, take a hint. Uh, I have no idea why I'm guessing this, by the way. Dusty Baker. Oh, hold on. My, um... Oh. My page is like... Okay, um... Baker. I don't have him on here. I, he definitely didn't do it twice. I'm just making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he didn't... He, he, in fact, did not do it once. <laughs> All right. I'll take a hint. Okay, I'm just going to check something because I, I always sort of look at the... Okay, good. Uh, the yearly league leaders on baseball reference, like there's one year it says six tied. Cause I usually do like a search where it's like, um, whatever the team abbreviation is. And that's how, like as a quick find, cause you're going through like a hundred years or whatever. Oh, so before I should have mentioned, you probably saw in the notes, uh, sacrifice flies weren't a stat until 1954. Okay. Um, but I will tell you the, the person who did it twice, uh, led in those first two years. <laughs> okay. Um, Gil Hodges? Gil Hodges did, in fact, uh, do it. 19 and 54 and 10. In fact, I'm looking, I think, I think 19 is the record, like major league record. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no one, no one else has topped it since, so. Kudos to give uh, my hint to you if, if, if had you been stumped before it was going to be their both first baseman. Okay. Um, the other Dodgers uh, to lead the league were um, uh, catcher Tom Haller in 1968. I mean that should have been on tip of your tongue, obviously. <laughs> um, Reggie Smith in 1978. Uh, Steve Garvey led in 1984, but he was with the Padres. And yeah, uh, before. 
Uh, what am I missing here? Yeah, and that, uh, other than that, Gonzalez and Smith. It's, it's a it's a small group uh, of Dodgers to lead the league. So kudos. Yeah, to and well. uh, the butter and egg man just like screams. <laughs> oh yeah, you got uh, one of those years. I'm pretty sure. I think it was fifth. Uh, no, it was 14, where Gonzalez led the majors in RBIs too. 116. He, I mean, he was really the butter and egg man yeah. there for sure. <laughs> All right. It's my my favorite time because we're going to kick off with Jens and Craig. We love them. The Dodgers will either face the Milwaukee Brewers or the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League Divisional Series. What? So here's some trivia about how some Brewers or Diamondbacks did against the Dodgers over the years. I have to bring up my cheat sheet. I thought I Uh did, but I did not. All right, I got it up. Five Brewer hitters have struck out at least 30 times against Dodger pitching. Can Eric name these swing and miss players? So here's the weird thing. Like, so the couple names that came to mind, like, I have this weird thing of, like, old AL Brewers where they obviously didn't play the Dodgers or very little. Um, but the the one that came to mind, I don't even think he was there for that long, but I'm just going to say it, Richie Sexton. <clears throat> Richie Sexton struck out. 30 times yeah on the on the money um we'll go with uh nearly old friend uh prince fielder though they couldn't get the contract done uh, only 24 times oh no one that's why they wanted to sign him he didn't strike out uh, against him um oh boy okay so uh ricky weeks ricky weeks 30 times on the money. Yeah, I'm getting all the all the borderline guys, apparently. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Uh, so I I don't even know how long he was there, but I think um, Jose Hernandez. Not on my list. I think one year he when he was with them, this was like early 2000s, like 2002, 3-ish or whatever. He was like, Closing in on like 200 strikeouts, where they actually they sat him like later in the year so he wouldn't get to 200 because it was that it was like that embarrassing to do that back then. I'm looking trying to look for the year. I, yeah, I think it was 2002. He he led the majors two years in a 185, 188. Pretty sure they sat him down the stretch. But anyway, um, I'm I'm stalling. Um, so since, just since he's been there for a decent amount, uh, Christian Yelich. Uh, no. But being there a while is a good way to think for the leader in this. Or right. One of the players tied for the lead, I should say. Sure. Um, well, the problem is I can't think of brewers who had been, have been there a while. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I, I'm sort of. One brewer that lives um, in the infamously amongst Dodger fans for perhaps a stolen MVP award. Oh. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, it's Ryan Brown. Yeah, yeah I yeah. tried to make that more hidden. No, I mean, I mean, it was yeah, very yeah. clear when you said that, yeah. Um, the uh, oh, We have two names left. One is uh-huh. a old friend. Um, okay. Uh, Years are 98 to 2001. Mark Loretta? Nope. 98 to 2001? Mm-hmm. And he's an old friend? 
he eventually became an old friend after after yeah, this. I, I understand how the, the system, right? <laughs> well, it could have been an, I, a no, former Dodger. That it's was fair. You know, it's uh, fair. I don't, I'm I'm just lashing out because I'm feeling. Um, <laughs> uh, is it Jose Hernandez? No. Um, let's see. I already said that. Um, Was he even there then? No, he was on the Diamondbacks. Um, wow. Oh, um, wait. Oh, wait, this person was after? Uh, Marquise Grissom? Nope. I'm going to give you one more guess to name either name. I'll give you the other the years. Javon other... White. No, there was your he guess. Was the one, he was the one I meant. Sorry. Uh, Just tell me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm out. Jeremy, Bur- Jeremy Burnett's. God, yes. And okay. then Jeff Jenkins. We did our... Didn't we? No, we did a re. Did we do a rewind on Burnett's? We should. We have not. Yeah, okay. No. So he. I think. At well, least you. Did, not with me. Maybe you did one solo. No. What? But. What we did? We did on Robin Ventura, and yeah, okay. the the theme was guys. No, I'm and I'm I'm even mixing it up. It wasn't. He's not even applicable here. But I was. My head was thinking, guys, the Dodgers traded for at the deadline to try to. Um, spur Adrian Beltre to play better, <laughs> and it worked like two years ago. <laughs> but the first one was Tyler Houston, not not um, Jeremy Burdens, but same guy, but just different, slightly different positions. All right, Ooh. five Brewer pitchers have issued twelve or more walks to Dodger hitters over the years. Can Eric tell us the names of these occasional wild men? Oh my God. Um, okay, so I, you just gotta—it's another thing like longevity here. So like Ben Sheets. Um, Ben Sheets, uh, only eleven. Um, so now then it then it becomes like, oh, who was a brewer for a while? And then, um, some of these names were only there for a bit. I'll let you know. Sure. Um. Well, no. <laughs> Two seasons, three seasons, four seasons. A well, bunch of seasons. I, I'm just gonna go seasons. for bulk here, and I don't. I'm not confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns uh, just missed with only eleven. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm great on the borderline guys. Um, so the problem is, so I'm trying to think who was, who was. So Ben Sheets was there, in I think he got hurt in 08, But when they got like CC Sabathia. I just can't remember who else was on that team. You know, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of that era, and it's just a whole lot of blank here. Um, so the the thing I was thinking of, and I think this person was a Padre far longer than he was a Brewer, but I'm just going to say it anyway, Eric Lauer? Nope. Okay. Eric Lauer, again, 11. <laughs> I'll let you know there's yeah, two old friends on this list. Sure. Um, oh, boy. Um... 11 and a okay starter or I'm guessing um yeah um I don't remember his other nope um Randy Wolf Randy Wolf is one with 13 uh, he couldn't have faced him that many times either <laughs> uh four times that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty <laughs> Got him in, out of his system. Um, I, I'm I'm out. Yeah, unless right. you want to give me years, I I don't I don't think I'm gonna give. Uh, no, nah, I'm just gonna yeah. give you the names. Jamie Wright. 
Yeah. Giovanni Gallardo. Gallardo. See, that's that's one of those guys I was trying yeah. to think like classic <laughs> classic brewer guy. Uh, Chase Anderson. Yeah. And Cal Eldred. Cal Eldred is a classic brewer. Five Diamondback pitchers oh. have allowed 47 or more runs against the Dodgers in their history. Can Eric name 47? them? <laughs> Good lord. Um, how? 47? Um, okay. Um, which one was the guy who was there? <laughs> Zach Davies? Nope. Okay. 47's a lot, man. That's like, <laughs> like if you're good, like that's like probably 125 innings or whatever. And I'm guessing not all these guys were good, but like, um, 47. Um, so, hmm. He didn't pitch long enough. Um,. I don't think he was there long enough, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Dan Heron? Nope. Yeah, there's no way he was there long enough. Um, Ian Kennedy? Nope. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, nope, nope, nope. Thinking of the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm... So, wait, well... This could be a... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, Randy Johnson, longevity. Randy Johnson uh, allowed 59 runs in 162 innings. There are two other Cy Young Award winners on here, not necessarily with the Diamondbacks. Okay. Um, Those are my hints. But the, that's not all of the. They're not yeah. only Cy Young winners, right? Correct. Okay. Because I, I was gonna in that same vein, I was gonna say, um, I was gonna say Kurt Schilling, nope, who was in the news for terrible reasons earlier this week, um, and not not the usual kind, <laughs> although he probably was for that too. Um, but uh, oh my oh boy, okay, so Cy Young winner who was also on the or maybe two, who was who were also on the Diamondbacks. Um, this is troubling. Um. No, TikTok. I got. I, yeah. I'm up. Yeah, I'm out. Merrill Kelly, uh, 54 runs. He's Robbie Ray, say. one of your oh. Cy Young Award winners, 48. Brendan Webb, your other one, with 48. I was gonna say Brandon Webb. I didn't think he pitched long <laughs> enough. Uh, and then Patrick Corbin with 47. Corbin, nice. So, something came up a couple weeks ago, and I had completely memory hold that. Robbie Ray won the Cy Young two years ago. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> I was like looking at him like, huh? Yeah, he did. <laughs> All right, that that did happen. Yeah. All right, five di- last one. Five Diamondback hitters have hit twenty or more doubles against the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, can Eric name these two bagger players? Probably not. Um, let's go with uh, old friend Luis Gonzalez. Uh, Luis Gonzalez had uh, 30 doubles. Um, I'm going to go slight. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, let's. Uh, ooh, Mark Grace? I think he uh, would. No. Yeah, yeah. 
So another guy who probably wasn't there long enough, but he was he, he popped into my head for some reason is Reggie Sanders. Nope. Um Okay. Uh oh, who was there? Oh, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh thirty one doubles. Yeah. Um the oof. Trying to think here. Um, um, so, with the D backs, someone who was there. Um, I don't think he played there long enough, so no. Um, nope, I'm out. I'm. Uh, there's. I'm just not. I'm. I'm bad. AJ Pollock, mm, classic. Cattell Marte, and David yeah. Peralta. A lot of old friends on these questions. That's always yep. fun. Yep. All right, I you did. Uh, I worked. Yeah, but <laughs> you did really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there will be a minimum of eight wild card series games, which means at least sixteen different starting pitchers will take the mound <sighs> for the contest. How many of those pitchers will complete at least five innings? And for the tiebreaker, how many of them will get a decision? Now, is he, is he is he saying? How many of the five inning pitchers will get a decision? Uh, or how many starters are getting a decision? How many starters are getting a decision? Yeah, let's read it that way. Uh, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, so let's do that. But I'm not. I don't want to do the tiebreaker, so I'm just going to pick a different answer than you. <laughs> yes, that's also it's also good. Uh, Sixteen different. Oh, okay. Well, actually. Well, it could it could be sixteen. It could be uh, twenty four, right? Yeah, so at, that, at least right. minimum a minimum of sixteen. Okay, so I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say eleven. Go Eight. Five innings. Eight. <laughs> you had that so quick. All right. Five inning wild card starts. I, I like it. You, you were so decisive. I, <laughs> I have. Like, I had no eight in mind before you reminded me that there could be more. I'm like, nope, sticking to it. <laughs> I, I was, I was trying to talk. My, I was like, cause I was gonna say nine. Like, mm. also they're like, well, these are gonna be like the good starter. I, but then I don't know. Who knows? But. Bobby Miller and James Outman are big contributors to this division winning team. What has impressed you both about their demeanor and performances as they head for their uh, first MLB postseason? I think I talked about this when I talked about Jay and generally just like yeah, the sort of the grind just like went through bad phases and just oh, kept yeah. at it. And also kudos to the Dodgers uh, front bass for, for being willing to do that and to see that through. And they've they rewarded them by really, really come like regressing back to a really positive mean and a very high bar for both players uh, near the end of the season. Yeah, I think with Outman cuz he was obviously sort of linked to Miguel Vargas, they both were like I don't they I don't want to say handed jobs, right? Miguel Vargas was like basically named the starting second baseman in yeah. February. James Outman was like might have made the team, but he like made sure that he made the team in spring yeah. training, and then he <laughs> and he's started like from day one, right? Like, but you're right, like great start in April, very bad in May, very bad in June. 
the one the one thing that sort of kept him afloat was that he was also like playing at least above average defense. He's and right. I think he's gotten better there, like you're saying too. But they were confident, like his like plate discipline was decent enough, and it's gotten better. And then he's just and he started hitting again, and like he's been like just like quietly very solid like the whole year, right? Like, um, and with with Miller, so he had the issues where. His first few starts were just lights out great, but then he had a couple like where a couple bad innings got out of hand. Yeah, and he and, re- like right. really let it get to him. And yeah, that seat like and then what that's kind of been impressive is he's had games now where he would give up the three or the four runs in an inning and then come back down, um, and not let it get away from him. And I've yeah. been impressed by that. And they're they're also they've also been like testing him more and more. Like they've they've. They've unlocked the 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 reins or loosened the leash, I guess, on him, like more than any other pitcher they have. Like he's gone into the seventh a bunch of times. Like no nobody's doing that. Um, that game in Washington where um, they let him go the fourth time through the order, he hung like a like a slider, I believe, for a home run um, to in that seventh inning. But like for the most part, like he's sort of answered the demand, and like he had a really strong. Uh, September, like he, his strikeout rate was up. That was his highest, best month of the year. Um, he's looking really strong going into the. And it, it's funny because you you can make the argument he probably Bobby Miller should be the game one starter, like mm-hmm. just based on how he's pitching. You understand why they're Kershaw? It still really. I mean, look, he had like a two forty six right ERA. Yeah. Since coming back, peripherals not as great, but also gutting through it. He knows how to pitch, all that kind of stuff. So I get it, but I'm just saying, like they're gonna they're gonna need Miller, and I think they're actually confident in him because he's been so good. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's it's been very impressive to watch. And he's got big boy stuff. <laughs> That's right, big boy stuff. There's gonna apparently gonna be a lot of it, a lot of that this October. The Los Angeles Dodgers had gone over 40 years from 1975 to 2016 without winning 100 or more games. They have now done it four straight non-shortened seasons and overall five times since 2017. Do you think we should celebrate this accomplished more than maybe we do? I brought this up before. Yes. Like just in general, the uh, shiny piece of metal or nothing mentality in American sports frustrates me. Um, It's obviously really important. And it's a big guy cried when the Dodgers won in 2020. I get it. But at the same time, like for instance, looking at say, European soccer winning the the Premier League it matters as do the tournaments and just uh-huh. kind of allowing for more ways to celebrate greatness um, and not the kind of lottery you're introducing a little bit of randomness not right. a ton, not a maybe giant amount but enough to where greatness does not always prevail and and that's fine and that's fun and it's one of the things that you know I get super stressed out about. But you we you should still be welcome to celebrate greatness and not told otherwise. It's frustrating right. there's, me like, there's, to be told otherwise. There's different ways, right? To the th- ways to appreciate a team. Like it's it's like absurd to think that there's only one like there's only one quote unquote winner every year. I know there's technically a team that wins a championship, right? But you could still have a great season and like string together a bunch of great seasons. And to do that is extremely difficult. And like just how they're doing it, 
Now, I think you could argue maybe the 100 part. Now, they've also blown past 100 in several of those years. But, like, this is also a very polarizing time in baseball where there's, like, three or four hundred win teams a year where they're usually in baseball history have has not been that because I think there, there's also very, very bad teams. There's, like, teams that aren't trying. So that's it's like that you get these polar extremes. But I think it's very clear that the Dodgers have established themselves as, like, upper crust, right? Like, another way to look at this, so they finished second in, in the national and in the majors and the national league in runs scored this year. They had, they, they were first the last five years before that, since moving to LA, they were only in the top two, six times in 60 years. So like, yeah, th- this is like the goal, like the golden age in terms of like, just overall, like excellence, I think just in, in, in sustained excellence. Now, well, they've only won one World Series, and obviously they they want to win more, and like that that's that's part of it. But I think there's ways to appreciate that. Where you're like, damn, it's so hard to do that over a whole season, let alone what five out of seven, right? Like five out of the last seven, they won a hundred. Five out of the last six full years, they won a hundred. It, it was just just insane. So, it, it it it's definitely something that should be appreciated more. I think. Family gatherings often mean someone is bringing something to the potluck. Mm-hmm. One of my aunts always has a box of seized candies, nuts, and shoes, and has me have been known to make a Jello dessert. I know Eric just met up with his family. Did they eat any old favorites? And Jacob, have you or your wife tried to feed your kids one of your favorite foods yet? Oh man, um, we so we just got together. My uncle turned eighty. Um, we did not really have a potluck because there were so many people coming from out of town um it was just like there were just sort of get-togethers and like we had some food there but it wasn't it didn't have a lot of people bringing stuff um i my aunt who passed away a few years back she was famous for having seized candy around the house or bringing them to a party the same thing the the sort of um uh, the variety box or whatever I always liked the little, the three toffees, like in the one little, whatever you call those, <laughs> the yeah. mini tray things. Those were the best. Um, the one thing I will remember, my sister, who now lives in Hawaii, but um, when we had, anytime we had get-togethers, um, she would bring pretzel jello, uh, which is essentially, I believe, strawberry jello whipped cream and pretzels in a like casserole dish and you put it in the fridge and that's it it's great and it's a salty sweet thing and it's it there was always it was always a hit um i'm trying to think of any like yeah other than that um i think we we just the other thing i guess in terms of candies um we had my mom like this also at least two of my uncles did as well they're um nut goodies um they are difficult to find now but um they're uh, they're they're a fun little candy and we we sometimes would have that out like at a party or just you know just to have and obviously checks makes for the holidays but yeah that's that's kind of it uh well luke is still not eating food so that hasn't hasn't happened uh you know a lot of my favorites are or you know pizza and pasta so eleanor is a big fan 
yeah. uh, and ice cream, you know, uh, on for my wife's favorite food. And yet she is a, a fan of ice cream to which we, uh, we can call it, um, reward based parenting or bribing. If she stays in her bed, uh, f- uh, throughout a night, she earns oh. coins towards ice cream trips. So, oh, man, I gotta, I gotta institute that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm just gonna game the system. Uh, no, nope, I want ice cream. Uh, I don't have to answer to anyone. Um, no, that's that's great. I think you should. I think you should try to hook Luke up with like, um, like a shake or something. You know, just. Just like try to get him to, to eat it that way, or just like I don't know, force it. I, I'm I'm trying to help, but uh, no, I don't know. I appreciate I know nothing. it. Yeah, uh, don't ever let me babysit. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's it for us. We're gonna talk more once we know more. Once we know who the Dodgers are playing, we will have another episode for you. But that's it for us today on the Three Inning Save Podcast. We are a Dodgers podcast. I'm Eric Steven. That's Jacob Birch. We are produced by Brian Salvatore. We'll talk to you again uh, next week. Bye.